Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our year-long study into revival by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, that's where we're going to start. As the Lord impressed upon my heart in the fall of last year about the need for revival, the need for us to experience a God-sent, so-much-needed revival, that one of the things that God impressed on my heart is that, that we were not reaching people for Christ. You know, the church is supposed to be a birthing room. Y'all know that, right? We're supposed to see people birthed into the kingdom of God. We are in the people business and seeing that people who've never heard the gospel can hear the gospel and respond to the gospel and be saved. Our real work is to make sure people get from here to get to there in eternity. That's what God has called on us to do. And as we looked at last year and what happened last year, I was broken in my heart that we didn't win many people to Jesus. That we didn't see the waters of baptism stirred as they ought to be as people make confession of their faith in Christ. And grabbed hold of my heart and helped me to understand that we as a fellowship need revival. And when revival comes, we're going to see more and more people come to know Jesus. Because we're going to live the Christian life out there in a power to where it touches other people's lives. And we're going to also fulfill what God has called on us to do. For all of us know that God has called on us to be evangelistic, to be witnesses, to share the gospel. We're supposed to be telling the story of Jesus. We're supposed to be telling that what Jesus did for me, he can do for you. And that somebody else would have the opportunity to respond to Christ. And every one of us know that. I mean, all of us feel that sense in our heart, that responsibility in our life, that we know we're supposed to tell people about Jesus. We should invite them to our church. We should do something. But until we get renewed and revived and excited about our journey with Christ then we're going to be silent. And so what I'm praying for is for God to renew us, revive us, energize us, and open our mouths that we might be the witnesses that we need to be. Along with that, God impressed on my heart to introduce something to you that for about three or four years that I have been working on as a tool for evangelism, as a simple tool for evangelism. And and this week and next week, I'm introducing that to you and going to encourage you to join in in what we are about. And, and it, the simple statement of it is, is basically on a pin, and we're going to put it on pins, and we're going to put it on uh, buttons. This is a button and pins and cards and everything else, a T-shirt if you want to wear a T-shirt, whatever you want to wear. We're, we're going to put it on that for you. And it, it's a three-word three statement. It says, I have it. I have it. You know, I, I tell you, you've been working on that about three years because this I have it. All you have to do is wear the button or wear the pin. Just wear it. And you don't have to do anything else except be ready to what? To answer any question. Because whenever you say, I have it, what is the curiosity of somebody going to do? They're going to say, what do you have? <laughs> what do you have? Now, when they ask, what do you have? When they ask, what do you have? You simply have the 
easiest introduction, the easiest way to get into a gospel conversation. So I'm going to give you four statements. We'll go over it again next week about four statements about why this is so important and how this is a great tool. The first thing is, it is the easiest way to start a gospel conversation. In other words, have any of you ever thought that God was impressing you that you need to say something to somebody about, about your faith and ask them about where they were and if they were a believer or Christian, and you're just sitting there and you're wondering, what can I say? How can I start this? Only for us to leave out, never finding the way to start it and feel the conviction in my heart, man, I need to have said something to them and I don't know how to get started. Well, this is the simplest way that you'll ever get started on a gospel conversation because they're going to ask you. <laughs> they're going to say, well, what is it that you have? What is it that you have? And then all you have to do is to be able to answer them. And here's the second thing about it. It's the simplest answer that you could have in all the world. If you've ever been through evangelism explosion or faith or any of those presentations of gospel, you know there's about 25 verses to memorize. There's a presentation to learn. You've got to get it all in order. And it takes you about 30 minutes to do it. And usually whenever we get all that together and we go present our first time, we get all discombobulated and we don't, we don't say it right, know what it, and so we, we don't use it because it's so much to learn and so much to do and so hard to present it. Well, I'm going to teach you the answer to this and it's 13 words, all right? 13 words. Do you think you can memorize 13 words? All right. Hopefully you can. I know my fifth and sixth graders can. I don't know about you adults, but I know that they can do it. 13 words, all right? I'm going to put those words up on the screen. Here's what it says. The absolute assurance that if I died today, I would go to heaven. That's what you have. That, that's, the, that's the most important thing that you can have. Listen, the absolute assurance that if I died today, I would go to heaven. Now, for those of you, I've got a little me here. For those of you who aren't smart enough for 13 words, just take out absolute. All right? And for those of you who are really intimidated, just take out that if I died today. Just say uh, the assurance I would go to heaven. You think you can get that one? I'm trying to help you. We're trying to get on that lowest rung. I want you to be able to learn it. A simple presentation. Does it take you long to learn it at all? Just those 13 words that you have? Here's the other one th wonderful thing about this. You don't have to discuss theology. You ever worried about they're going to ask me something? I don't know. They're going to ask me some theological question about where did God come from or something that's going to mess me up. You don't have to have any theological discussion. It hasn't got anything to do with theology. All it has to do with what you know. And nobody can, ag can argue with what you know, that, that I know I have the absolute assurance if I die. I know that nobody can argue with that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? All we're doing is saying what we have in our own heart, in our own life. And, and, and here's, the, here's the fourth thing about it. It is a God-ordained opportunity to see who you're to share with. See, all you have to do is wear the pen. And that morning when you put the pen on, you say, Lord, if there's somebody I need to talk to, let them ask me the question. You don't have to go out here surfing around trying to find out who is I'm supposed to share with. You're simply going to say, God, if there's somebody I need to share with, let them ask me the question. And as they see that, they ask you a question, and you have a chance to be a witness. Now, next week, 
I'm going to share with you some opportunities of how you can do that. One thing is, all you have to do is just make that one statement. You don't have to say another thing. That's more witnessing than 95% of all Christians ever do. Just stay in that one statement. Just say it and walk off. You know? Or you, you might get followed up. But do you have that? And then you might be able to share your testimony. If you can't even share your testimony, just say, come to our church. They'll tell you how to have it. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You, you don't put any pressure on yourself. All you've got to do is simply answer that one question, and that's all you have to do. You'll never find anything simpler to be able to present the gospel of Christ. So next week, we're actually going to have pins available for you, and they're different color pins, all right, different size pins or buttons that you would wear, and we're going to have other things available for you in the future about it. But next week, we're going to talk to you about more how to use it, what I've just discussed with you, and, and also give those things to you and allow you to get out there and begin to work. We're also going to put, I've asked Kevin to put up on our, our Facebook page on the church, we're going we're gonna to put the I Have It page up there, and we want you to write in and give us your gospel conversations. Tell us what opportunity you had to be able to share and to be able to share your faith through that. You'll be amazed at, at how God is going to open some doors for you and wonderful opportunities for, for you to do that. But... Before we pass this out next week, you say, why are we not passing it out this week? Because in order for you to wear the pin, you have to have it, <laughs> right? I mean, you can't, you can't tell them about something that you don't have. So this week, I want to talk to you about having it. Do you have it? Do you have the absolute assurance that if you died today, you would go to heaven? Do you have that? And every one, every one of those phrases, every one of those words is so very, very important. The first thing I want to talk to you about is this matter of the absolute assurance. Is it possible, is it possible for you to have the absolute assurance that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? The answer to that is yes. Yes. It is Yes. It's not that I think so or I hope so. <laughs> you ever heard people say that? Hey, if you died today, would you go to heaven? I hope so. I think so. I'd like to think. Today I'm feeling pretty good about it. Tomorrow I might not be feeling real good about it. In other words, it's, it's not this shadow of a doubt. It's the fact that you can absolutely know it. Let me show you in God's Word here in 1 John chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 13. Listen to this one verse. What John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. That's Jesus, all right? This is important. In order that you may know that you have eternal life. Isn't that pretty simple? These things I've written to you that you might know. Why would you know? Because you have believed, put your faith in the Son of God. And when you put your faith in the Son of God, you can know, you can know that you have eternal life. You can know that you have a home in heaven. Now, in the Greek language, the word know is very precise. There are two primary words in the Greek language for the word know. The first of those words is the word gnosko. 
Gnosko means to know something, but to not know it fully, but to be growing in your knowledge of it. In other words, I don't know it all, but I'm trying to grow to know more as I know more as I know more. But the second of the words is this word right here. It's the word oida. Oida. The word oida means this, to have absolute assurance. To not have to progress in your knowledge of it, but to have the absolute assurance of something. It is fully known. And isn't it great that's the word? Right here it says that you can absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you have eternal life. So the answer to that is yes, yes, you can know it. Yes, you can know it. If you do not know today without a shadow of a doubt that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, you need to get that settled. You need to get that settled in your heart and your life. You don't need to have the doubts out there because whenever you have that relationship with God, you can and will know for certain that you have a home in heaven. Now, why do I say that you can know that based on the promise of God's word, but based on something else? I want you to know that this assurance is a gift from God, right? It's a gift from God. It's not psychological gymnastics. You know what I mean by that? It's not you convince you, oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to keep telling myself I'm going to heaven enough till I'll really believe it. It's not, it's not psychological gymnastics you're trying to do to convince yourself. This assurance is a gift from God. And, and you know when you receive that? You know when you got that assurance? Let me show you. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So what it says in verse 14 and following. Listen. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Now listen to these words. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Did you hear that? The Spirit of God. Look at it right there, verse 16. The Spirit of God bears witness with my spirit that what? That I am a child of God. It's not what I'm doing in my mind. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in my heart. And it bears witness in my heart. You are a child of God. You are redeemed. You have a home in heaven. Jesus prepared the way. He's making a home for you. You have that assurance in your heart because the Holy Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit, with your spirit, all right? Let me show you, when was this that you came to know that? When did it happen? Hold your hand here, turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. That's how it says that you came to have this gift. Verse number 12. But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, 
How did it say that you had assurance of your salvation? Because you what? Believed in the name of Jesus. How do you become a child of God? Because you believed in the name of Jesus. Verse 13 says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God, but they are born of God. So when is it that you receive the Holy Spirit? Whenever you believed in Jesus. The Spirit of God came into your life and began then to bear witness that you were a child of God and gave you a certainty in your heart that you had a home in heaven. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift. I'm here to tell you from the age of seven when I gave my heart to Christ till my age right now, there's never been a time that I doubted that I had a relationship with holy God, not because of how good I was, but in spite of me. Because the Spirit of God bore witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. Let me show you something. Turn from John chapter 1, just a few pages over to John 14. Hear what what Jesus says about the fact of how long. Do you ever feel like, man, if I were God, I'd give up on me. You ever felt that way? Amen, oh me, I heard that. You ever felt like, boy... I can't believe that I'm still saying, oh, yes, you are. Let me tell you what he promised us in John 14. Listen to what he said. He said that once he put his spirit in you, that he would never take his spirit out. And God never lies. God never lies, all right? It's not not the ability of God to lie. God's holy. So what God promises is always true. So listen to what it says in John 14, verses 16 and 17. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I'm about to leave here, but I'm going to ask God, and he's going to send you another helper, like me. He says, verse 17, that is the spirit of truth, or the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. He will be in you, and he's going to be with you forever. He will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. He is going to be with you because you were birthed into the family of God, because you believed in Jesus. In John chapter 3, you can read it when you get home. It's when Nicodemus was asking Jesus, how can a man have eternal life? And he says, you got to be born again. You've got to be born again. And Nicodemus said, am I supposed to enter into my mother's womb the second time? And he says, no, you are born of flesh that way, but you must be born of the Spirit. You're going to be birthed by the Spirit. But that birth by the Spirit is just like physical birth. Now, here's one truth about physical birth. It only happens one time. Amen, mothers? Aren't you glad you didn't have to have them and have them and have them? Amen? Come on, women, you ought to join in on that. All right. You had them, and they're born. And they're always your child from that point on. Now, they may be obedient children and make you happy sometimes. Sometimes they may be disobedient children, make you weep at times. There's all those kind of things. But they're always your children. Even if you don't want them, they're still your child. Right? It's true. Because birth is a one-time experience that never can be changed. Why do you think that God chose to use 
being born again or born spiritually because it's a one-time experience that will never be changed. When you give your heart to Jesus and you ask him to come into your heart and life, the Spirit of God is planted in your life. You've been birthed into the family of God, and you are always a child of God. Sometimes you may be obedient, and sometimes you may be disobedient. Sometimes he may really be glad we're on his team, and the other times maybe not. But we're always his children. That never, ever, there's nothing that can change your relationship. You may be in and out of fellowship, but there's nothing that can change your relationship because you put your faith in Jesus. It's not based on you. It's based on him. If my salvation was based on me, I would not sleep at night because I would know I couldn't earn it. But whenever I know my salvation is based on the work of Christ, I can rest because he'll never mess it up. You understand that? And that's why I totally, absolutely trust in him. When I get to heaven, if God asks me, why should I let you into my heaven? There's only one answer that works. Because I put my faith and trust in Jesus, the son of God, who said that he'd forgive me of my wretched sin, adopt me into his family, and that I would be his forevermore. That's the only way I deserve to get in. But that's the right answer. (laughs) That's the only answer because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except by me but turn that around but all people who come by me will make it to the father amen one last thing i want to show you it's found in galatians turn over a few pages in your bible to galatians chapter four it's one of the most beautiful pictures of assurance that you have in your relationship with god it has to do with adoption in galatians 4 4 It says, and when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, or that's the familiar word, Daddy. (laughs) You have the opportunity of calling God your daddy. Why? Because of what Jesus has done and the fact that Jesus adopted you into his family. Look at verse 7. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if a son or daughter, then you're an heir through God. You realize you're an heir of God's. You're a joint heir with Jesus. What a position to be in. Don't worry about the riches of this world, my friend. (laughs) When you're a joint heir with Jesus, that's far more important than any of the riches of this world. For all that's going to pass away, but what God gives you will last forevermore. Amen? Let me tell you one of the sweet things about that. In that particular culture, a person could disown a natural-born child. Did you know that? If a child were disobedient and didn't do what the father said, they could cut them out of their will and their inheritance. But a child who was adopted could never be cut out. Because the parents made the choice to bring them in and accept them into the family. And when they were adopted in the family, they were in a secure position, more secure than a natural-born child, for they could never be cut out of the family, for they had been adopted. So when it says, we've been adopted into God's family, God's promise is, you will never, ever be cut out. You can never be disowned because you're adopted into God's family. Amen? Now, let me tell you about that. 
because we can't have the absolute assurance, we don't have to think, we don't have to hope, it's not a psychological gymnastics. The greatest gift that God gives to us is that peace. <laughs> I'm telling you, the greatest gift that you have is the peace in your heart that you have the assurance that if you die, because you don't know when you're going to die, but you will die, but you have the absolute assurance that all things are right with the Father. That all things are right with the Father. So we can have that absolute assurance. The second thing, though, I want you to focus on in those verses, that if I died, <laughs> that if I died, and I want to put it up on the board, I want you to realize this, we all face this deadline and destiny. Apart from Jesus coming back and the church of God being raptured, and that'll be okay with me if it happens today, amen? <laughs> I just soon not taste of death. I just soon go meet him in the air. That'll be great with me. I look forward to the rapture, okay? Whichever side I'm on, I look forward to it. But apart from the rapture, every person will face death. Hebrews 9.27 records that for us. It says, it's appointed unto every man to die once, and then after that, the judgment to stand before God. It's appointed to everyone to die once, and every one of us are going to face death. We don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it, but we need to, amen? You need to make sure that you're ready. You know, make, make sure that you have the absolute assurance of where you're going when that happens because all of us are going to face it. And I'm telling you, I've buried hundreds and hundreds of people, hundreds of people. And I've buried some as old as 105. But I have also stood over caskets that were this big because death is a reality. And it's never guaranteed how long you're going to be able to live. How long you're going to live. The key is be ready. Be ready. I have the absolute assurance that if I died, I would go to heaven. I would go to heaven. That's important. There's a third, though, third word in there. If you look at it, today. <laughs> that if I what? That if I died today, not tomorrow, not, not sometime in the distance, not some other day, I need to be prepared today. I need to be prepared this day. Why? Because I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Do you know one of the greatest lies of the enemy? Well, the greatest lies of the enemy is this. It's okay if you believe the Bible. It's okay if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It's okay that you believe Jesus died on the cross and that through his death, people can be saved and forgiven of sin. It's okay if you believe all of that. Just don't do it today. Just don't do it today. Go on and live your life and do what you want to do in your life. And, and then be, before you die, before you die, tomorrow or the next day or somewhere down the road, before you die, 
then believe in that and confess all that and accept all that and have your life changed and make your way to heaven at that time. The greatest deception of the enemy is just wait. Just wait. Because here's one of the problems. Most people die one day early. They they die one day earlier than what they thought they were going to die. They die that day before they make that decision for Christ, before they ask Jesus into their heart, before they confess their faith. You cannot do that. Today is the day of salvation. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. I promise you. Our fellowship, of all fellowships, ought to understand that. We've had so many deaths in recent days and so many unexpected deaths. So suddenly that would happen in that way that that person thought they would have tomorrow but never saw tomorrow. It should remind us that today is the day. And if you're here today and you do not have the absolute assurance of your salvation and you do not know in your heart that if you died for certain that you would go to heaven and you hadn't experienced that peace of God in your heart because you know all that is settled, you need to do that today. You say, Brother Mac, are you trying to scare me? If I could, I would. If I could, I would. But the reality of it is one day you're going to face death. At that point in time, You need to have the absolute assurance. You need to have that absolute assurance. Last phrase is today I would go to heaven. (laughs) Tell you a few truths about heaven. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. I mean, Jesus talked about heaven. The Bible is written all about heaven. It does an inadequate job of describing it because words cannot adequately describe what heaven is going to be like. But it tries as best it can to describe what heaven is going to be like. But I don't know what the beauty of heaven is going to be, but I love that part when you read the Revelation when there's there's no more sickness, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more death, there's no more sorrow. Boy, that's good enough for me if we lived out in a desert somewhere, amen? It describes what heaven is like and heaven is real. There is an eternal place that is more real than this world. You know why? Because it existed before this world. And because it existed, it is a part of bringing reality of this world. And the other fact, the fact it's more real in this world, is that this world is going to be judged and going to be transformed. And heaven, where God is, is just fine. (laughs) It's real. And I believe the Word of God when it says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And where's the Lord? He's in heaven. I believe that. Heaven is real. It is promised by God and promised by Jesus. It is a place of reward for those who believe in Jesus. It's the dwelling place for those who are righteous, who put their faith and trust in Jesus. And it's an eternal Forever dwelling place. You'll never have to be afraid of death anymore. It's going to take me a thousand years to get used to heaven just to get over fear. 
So we, we all live in fear. We have fears in our life. We don't, don't act like you don't. Yes, you do. I don't care if you're the broadest-shouldered man here. you got fears in your life. You understand that? And, and, and fear is just a part of what, what we do, and it's an undercurrent of everything we are. When you get to glory, there ain't going to be no fear. That's bad English, but it's, it's good truth. Amen? <laughs> it's going to be the most glorious, glorious place, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it, and I don't want anybody else to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. So, so before you could ever, as we'll talk about next week, before you could ever wear a pin that says, I have it, you need to have it. Amen? If you don't have it, you can have it before you leave here today. For God has ordained that you would be here at this time when we talk about how important it is to have it and what it is, the absolute assurance that if I died today, that I would go to heaven. You've been able to hear that very clearly today, and therefore... It's placed upon you of what will you do. What will you do with what God has given you today? If you don't have that assurance, we want to invite you and welcome you to come to the Father's house, the Father's family, and to know that gift, that peace of assurance. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.